Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where our TBR is ineffable. <laughs> I'm Meredith. I'm Susan. I'm Tara. Hi, ladies. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing good. Always good. Sleepy. Sleepy. But here. Uh, yeah, I feel ya. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a kind of boring month for me. And not boring. I, boring is the wrong word. Boring is the wrong word. I've just been, you know, I, I've just been staying put is what it is. So I Quiet? Am not, quiet month? Quiet. You know, quiet's the right word. No big travels, no big drama, just sort of, I'm, I'm kind of getting jittery about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, when's the next thing happening? Hurry up. Let's go. <laughs> And and then once it is, you're going to be like, oh, I wish I was oh, no. home. No, no lie, though. Once it starts, I'm not home for a month. Yeah. Like my travel yeah. schedule, I'm literally not touching back down into the U.S. for a solid month. So I'm saying this now, but I'm going to hate myself later. So <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? Uh, well, things were actually busy for me last few weeks. Um, my sister came to visit. And then we had some Orlando friends come visit us because they were doing a snowboarding trip in the mountains. Oh, cool. So, yeah, they stopped by when they got here and then before they left. So we hung out for a little bit. Um, so it's been it's been kind of busy. <laughs> um, but I did get to finally go visit the Tattered Cover on Colfax, um, which is the store where most of the big authors go to because it has a bigger space than some of the other stores. Oh, okay. Because um, it's a converted theater. Oh, oh very cool. yeah. Nice. So it's so cool. I love it. <laughs> um, so I'm glad I got to go. And um, I ended up buying four books more than I wanted to. Because, As you do. <laughs> you know, my total was zero. <laughs> I mean, you walked into a bookshop. What did you think was going to happen? Uh, usually I have good impulse control, but. There was a series of books that I really like for my kids. And then I found a lovely picture book of Mary Poppins where it's um, silhouetted laser cut pages. Oh, wow. Beautiful. I was like, well, I'm going to have to buy this. <laughs> of course. And then the cover of Cersei was calling to me, so I ended up buying that too. <laughs> you know, every time I'm in a bookstore, I almost buy that book. Literally every time. Because yeah, I know it is it's beautiful up my cover. alley. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to love the book. It's just like, I'll get to it. I know I'm going to get to it. Uh huh. Just yeah. So, yeah, I mean, half the books are for my kids, which is usually par for the course. But yeah, it's like, man. <laughs> It's okay. I'm actually really excited because I'm going to our local one of our local bookstores in Atlanta this week too, and nice. I'm going to see uh, Charlie Jane Anders uh, talk about her new book, "The City in the Middle of the Night," which I am super stoked to read. Yay! So, yeah, that so should really be a good event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it should be really good. What about yeah. you, Mayor? Have you been doing? Um, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, so this weekend, I am virtually attending an online writing conference Heck called yeah. Write On Con. Nice. Yeah. So it's been fun. Um, they like it's it's amazing the amount of uh, stuff they have going on. But what's nice about it is um, depending on what level of like ticket you got. I mean, the the lowest level is like five bucks and still gets you into everything, which is nice. Um, mm. But I will have access to everything for a month. 
so I don't have to like just sit it in front of my computer for like 12 hours each day right now. I was um, just wondering about that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, um, but the stuff that I have listened in on so far has been really good. Like I've sat on a world building panel and a submission for query Q&A session. And so like, it's been really fun so far. Um, and it's called Write on Con. So, yeah. Has um, anything you've listened to so far impacted your writing on the book you're doing? Um, there's been some good stuff about the world building. I still need to finish listening to that panel. Um, but I'm excited because there's still so much more I haven't listened to yet that I think is going to be really good. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right. So um, love this. Love everything about it. Um, but of course, we're here to talk about books. So what are you guys reading right now? Oh, well, it's a little slow for me right now in the reading area, which is fine. <laughs> um, but right now I am reading The Stone Sky, um, which is book three of the Fallen Sky series. That's what it's called, right? The whole series? The bro- broken Broken Earth. Yeah, Broken, broken Earth. Earth. Sorry. Must be her I mean, other one. Fallen Sky, Broken Earth. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> broken Earth series. Um, and then Obsidio, which is the third and final book in the Luminae Files. Um, so nice. I'm up and up two series here. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's always a good go. feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are both like very highly acclaimed trilogies. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll be happy. Yeah. Or maybe I'm sad. I don't know how the stone <laughs> sky ends, but. Well, so the stone sky, I'm 50% of the way through. Um, but with Obsidio, I'm almost done but this is the book I'm reading while I wait for my kindergartner to get out of school. <laughs> so I've been reading uh, this book in like 10, 5, 10 minute increments. <laughs> oh, man. That's got to be fairly frustrating. So I think I it depends imagine. on the book. Um, okay. If it's like a fast paced, not so dense book, I'm okay with it because then I can flip through the pages pretty quickly. Um, but... And I mean, honestly, I could just go into my garage and get it out of the car, but it's like really cold outside. <laughs> uh, fair enough. It's totally fair. <laughs> so, so it just, just lives in the car. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, yeah, for now, it's just living, living in the car. Um, but I am almost done. So I'm excited to see how this concludes. <laughs> I too have been concentrating fairly hard on finishing trilogies. So also on the stone sky for me. Uh, not quite at 50%, so no sharing yet. Um, <laughs> and I finished The Queen of Error and Darkness, which is the most recent Shadowhunter book, so of course I finished it. Um, completes the most recent trilogy. and So what did you think of it? Really good. Yeah. Like, really, it's so long, though. Guys, it is <laughs> yeah. like... I think the longest book and the Shadowhunter books are already fairly long. And, get you know, it's YA, so, like, the prince is big. But, oh, my God. Um, and so this one I did half reading, half listening. Um, and the audiobook is done by James Marsters, who plays Spike on Buffy. Nice. And it is phenomenal. <laughs> um, he does a wonderful job. Um, and it does wrap up super well. Um, leaves a lot of things still in the world to explore. And I, um, there's a middle section that I can't talk too much about because it gives away a huge bit, but like super good. 
just super good. Um, in order to be reading The Stone Sky, obviously also finished The Obelisk Gate, finally. <laughs> um, and I'm read, and um, Meredith, I'm stealing your thunder on this, but I read Sense and Sensibility for the Ardently Austin Book Club, which um, I did read on Meredith's amazing bookstagram for the first time. So, um, And then I, you know, jumped on the bandwagon for um <laughs> Mare, I know you've read like a thousand books, so do, <laughs> do you want to give us the laundry list of everything you've right. read this month? So, guys, I think I've created a monster, but like in the best kind of way. Um, so, you know that my husband has never really been a reader, which is fine. You know, I, I knew what I was getting into. Um, but the past... I guess just a little over a year now, we realized that audiobooks are the way that he can read. Like, he just, you know, takes things in better that way. And with the amount of driving that he does, I was like, well, this is great. You know, instead of listening to the radio constantly for hours, mm -hmm. just put on an audiobook. And he's he's been doing so many books. I'm like, I'm so proud of him. My little bookworm heart is just like overflowing. And um, and he really likes sci-fi. So I was like, oh, well, I've heard that this uh, trilogy with the first book called Sleeping Giants is really good. You know, just put a hold on it in the library for the audiobook, and, you know, give it a try, you know. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I definitely had, I had heard a lot about it on Litzy when it came out, and it just seems to have gotten good reviews. So he's like, okay. So the, the um, library hold comes in, and he starts listening to it. And then, like, every day that he's listening to it, he comes home, and he's like, I'm so mad. I want to talk to you about this book, but you haven't <laughs> read it. Why haven't you read it yet? That's so cute. And I'm like, and he's like, now I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah. um, so I then had to fit that in with everything else I was reading because he was like, so when are you reading it? Are you reading it yet? When? When? <laughs> when? when? And I was like, oh my gosh! Okay, I will read this book. Uh, so it was really good, though. Nice. <laughs> it was really good. Um, I thankfully it was a short audio book. It was only like maybe eight hours or something. Um, so I was listening to it over the course of a weekend. Um, I think it was when we had a like snowy weekend a few weeks mm. ago. Mm -hmm. And there were there were definitely times where I came out and I was like. Oh my gosh. And he was like, I know, right? And I was like, ah. So we should be reading that book. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So the first book is called Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Nuevel, maybe is how you say it. Um, and it's really good on audiobook because it's, it's pretty much like you're listening to recordings of interviews and journal entries, and it has a cast recording. So it's really good on audiobook. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I, I love when Tyler reads a new book, though, because occasionally if he knows I haven't read it, he'll text me or message me and be like, I'm reading a book you haven't read. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, Tyler, I'm glad you're reading, but like, stop it with the shaming already. Yeah. We've already had a whole episode about book shaming. Don't book shame me. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm so proud of him though. He's like, I am too. That's he's, really he's read great. almost as many books as me this so far this year. That's great. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. um so yeah, so I finished that recently, so I'm looking forward to getting to the second book in that series. Definitely would recommend that if you're into sci fi. 
Um, I also recently finished another audiobook that was a memoir called H is for Hawk by Hel- Helen McDonald. And this one is kind of in the same vein as Lab Girl, where it's a memoir, but it also has a lot of nonfiction rolled into it. Hmm. And um, it was really interesting. Um, so the author's uh, father died very suddenly, and she was very close with him. And um, she was she's also been a falconer her whole life. And so kind of as a way to cope with her loss, she decides that she is going to train a goshawk which is they're like notoriously known for being very hard to train. And so you're following her journey, you know, in her grief and like with her hawk. And then she also kind of takes this tangent along the way where you learn a lot about, I think it's T.H. White, um, the author of Once and Future King. The Once and Future King, yeah. Yeah. So apparently he also had a goshawk and wrote a book about it. Of course he did. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And so like she does spend like it, it's a little jarring in the beginning because you've just you're only a chapter or two in and then she pretty much like just starts giving you a biography on T.H. White and you're like what what is happening um, <laughs> and so it's interesting though and so then after she gives you his background and he has a pretty pretty sad you know backstory uh, and so then she starts interweaving it with you know his like what he did and apparently he was like really really bad at training his hawk and was doing all the wrong things and um, so it was it was really interesting this Uh, is the book you've recommended I read prior to our adventure yes well I mean I I just don't know much about falconry or like large birds so I found that interesting and I think it'll give me kind of um a different perspective when I have a huge bird flying at my face we are going (laughs) and doing falconry by the way yeah we're gonna be in Ireland in a month and a couple of weeks and we are going to do falconry yeah it's gonna be be awesome really excited (laughs) I'm excited but also scared because birds are kind of creepy and they're Um, giant yeah and I mean, you maybe they'll give you the owl because there's owls too. If you don't want to do the falcon, you can do the owl. Well, Just owls still a bird of prey, still terrifying. But, you know, <laughs> less maybe. Yeah. Well, so, they're not smart owls, so <laughs> you know. Is that a lie? Then all my life I've been told owls were smart. By yeah, they're they're, du- they're dumb, and they're really really dumb. They're dumb. I don't <laughs> enjoy that. I, Susan, you've like ruined. <laughs> I don't know. Winnie the Pooh and, like, my childhood. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's like elephants never forgetting type of thing, you know? <laughs> oh, I mean, I knew that was <laughs> But I forget where I heard it, but yeah, they're, yeah, owls are pretty dumb. I was like, ow. Okay. All right, Meredith. Any, anything else on your giant list of books? Okay, well, so <laughs> I've read the, the things that I'm currently reading right now. I'm currently reading King of Scars by Lee Bardugo, which is the newest book in the Grishaverse series. And I'm really enjoying that. Um, I'm mostly done. I think I've got like maybe 100 pages left. So I'm like, oh, how is this going to end? Uh, or how, <laughs> how, how are we going to be left hanging until the next book? Um, and then I am rereading Pride and Prejudice for this month's uh, book selection for the Ardently Austin Book Club. And I also just started Dear Martin by Nick Stone, which um, I'm only like a chapter or two into it. But I know that's going to be like a very hard hitting book, mm-hmm. but very relevant. Very. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, I'm excited to hear how you liked all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just excited to read Pride and Prejudice again. It's been almost eight years 
since yeah. we read it for our Jane Austen book club ages and ages ago. Yeah. It might uh, even be closer to 10, honestly. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I'm excited to read again. Uh, speaking of books we've read again, um, the book for this month was Good Omens by uh, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Um, read it when I was real young. Uh, happy to read it again. Um, I'd forgotten a ton of it, though, uh, unsur- unsurprisingly. Um, but I have to admit, this is one of the few collaborative author books I've ever read. I guess it's just not super popular in the fantasy genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it got us thinking, you know. Um, we asked two questions um, on our social media page, um, you know, what are our favorite co-authored books and what are two authors you'd love to see in a team up? Um, and before we get to some of our um, listeners ideas, which were all phenomenal, by the way, uh, I just thought, you know, it'd be a good question to ask ourselves. You know, obviously I just admitted I have not read a ton of it. Um, but, you know, guys, what have been some of your favorite co-authored books? Uh, well, I just mentioned the Illuminae Files. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We're um, currently reading one. Yeah, it's it's really good. I love the format they use because it's uh, it's like all uh, visual. Um, although the audiobooks are really good too because they also use a cast. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that it's good. Um, so either way, uh, you would be ingesting this in in a really good way. Um, those books are really good. I think Jay Kaufman. Um, and oh my gosh, I am drawing a blank on Amy. Kristoff? Uh, I think it's Kristoff. Jay Kristoff and Amy Kaufman. Oh, there Sorry. we go. Yeah, I've mixed <laughs> the two names together. I was like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, they did a really good job on working together to make it all kind of seem seamless. Um, so I really enjoy that. And then. Um, so James Patterson has teamed up with his wife to co-author a children's book called Big Words for Little Geniuses. And I love this book. I haven't even given it to my kids yet. Um, I'm waiting for a special occasion. <laughs> but it is so adorable because it is teaching little kids big words and telling them the meaning of those big words. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that like cute. Lilliputian is one of the words. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the most adorable thing ever. It's like, just, you know, cause it's just adorable. when a little kid says like a huge big word and it's like, how can you, how do you know this word? <laughs> um, so that is one of my current favorites. I'm excited to give it to them. <laughs> That's fun. I, you know, you always wonder how they end up collaborating, you know, like mm-hmm. how, how they broke up the work or, you know, how they went through the process. Yeah. yeah. And so um, for the one that I'm going to be talking about is uh, the, the they call themselves the Lady Janies, but um, it's actually three authors. Uh, Cynthia Hand, Jody Meadows, and Brody Ashton have written um, My Lady Jane, and um, they've also written, uh, the second one was called My Plain Jane, and then they have another one coming out, for Calamity Jane. 
Mm. Um, but I saw them talk at a bookstore event uh, back in the summer, I think. And the way they did it is each of these books has three different point of views. And so they each get their own uh, character to write from that ah. point of view. Okay. And so what they do is they, they said it, this has actually just been like a, a secret ploy so that they can like hang out together. So like they'll go and like, you know, rent a cabin in the woods or something for a week. And That's then, cool. e- yeah. And then every day, you know, they'll seclude themselves and write however much they're supposed to write for their character. And then at night they'll come together and read it out loud to each other and see how it's flowing. And so like pretty much they get the, the draft done in a week and then, you know, they send it off to the editors and they do that. And then, um, they come together again for another week and do all of like the final like big edits. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way. That's gonna to, be like the fastest way. I was to just re- thinking that's book. really fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're you know they've become really good friends since mm-hmm. since they started this. And so so far they have the two out. I really liked uh, the first one about Jane Grey, the best. Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> They're also, they just announced that they're going to do another set of three books about Marys. And the first one is going to be about Mary, Queen of Scots, but it's going to be set in the Lady Jane universe with all of those like crazy powers and stuff from the first book. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Um, and so Jeanette, Jen, Jeanette and I were talking, we're like, well, are they still going to be the Lady Janies? And Jeanette's like, they should be the Mary Janes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Perfect. <laughs> so we'll see. Perfect. So, yeah, if you're listening, you should tell them they should be the Mary Janes. Cute. Um, <laughs> so I really liked those. Um, I definitely want to read the Illuminae files because I've heard they're amazing. Um, but I need to read them before my husband does because we'll be in the same situation again with some really good <laughs> sci-fi that I wouldn't have read yet, and it'll just be a, a disaster. Um, <laughs> um, and then there's another one that I would like to read. Um, it's called What If It's Us, and it's by Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera. Mm-hmm. And so it's supposed to I think it's supposed to be kind of like a rom-com. And I really loved Love, Simon. And I haven't read any of Adam Silvera's books yet, but I know that they're like BFFs in real life. So I bet it's super cute. Yeah, I've, seen that. That, I've seen that cover. Yep. It's the cover of the two dudes with boxes, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like about, you know, it never seems to work out. One of those. Probably. Like, I'm, I'm not what? quite sure. Because I've almost, I've almost picked it up, and I've almost made us read it for book club. <laughs> so I, I, you know, and I don't read a lot of summaries, as you know. So I tried to get as, as a small of a sliver, of a book before I decide to read it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I've picked up on it is that like, like stuff doesn't work out, and so it's so the question is, all right, what if it's not the universe? What if it's not? Oh, it's my job, or oh, it's this. What if it's us? So that's literally all I know about the book. That's it. Um, but it looks adorable. I totally want to read it. And I didn't realize it was co-authored. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. There you go. Um, a, a book I've already recommended and already did make us read was America's First Daughter. That is co-authored, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. And also, I realized I lied while y'all were talking. Um, I realized <laughs> that I lied. Um, because... Uh, all of the, sh- not all, but most of the Shadow Hunter anthology books, all the short story books, like um, Tales of the Shadow, um, the Shadow Market, or um, from the Shadow Hunter Academy, or the Magnus Chronicles, almost all of those short stories are co-authored by Cassie 
and one of her um, super duper author friends. So what made me think about it was when Meredith was like, yeah, they just sit in a cabin. I go, I know an author who just sits around with her friends and writes. Oh, wait, wait. (laughs) That's Um, so cool. I didn't know that about the short stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and every, so, and it's not always the same, or I don't think it's ever um, the same uh, co-author for an entire book. So every short story uh, almost every other short story, I think, is like a different co-author. So, yeah, it it and it, it's fun. It's fun to get the different um, character reads from these different people too. So I really, if you haven't ever read the short stories, I really love them. Um, I particularly love the Magnus Chron- uh, the Bane Chronicles, and um, Tales of the Shadow Hunter Academy. That being said, like the Shadow Market one isn't finished. So maybe judge not yet, but uh, those two are definitely my faves. Cool. Yeah. So um, this is sort of, the next question is definitely just sort of a, uh, you know, fantasy what if question. (laughs) But um, if we had the power to force two authors in a room (laughs) and lock the door so that they literally couldn't get out so that they had to write a book together. You make us sound (laughs) awful. (laughs) It's the only way some of this would happen, or, you know, or seance in some cases. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> what two authors would you like to see uh, team up, like, really bad? So I chose John Green and Rainbow Rowell. That's Aww. such a good pairing. Yeah. I would love to see a book written by them. I will be prepared to have a box of tissues ready next to Uh, me while I read it. (laughs) But I think it would be just like an emotional, just roller coaster, fantastic ride. (laughs) Yeah. My heart may explode, but I would be there for it. Yep. I'd be okay with that. (laughs) Hashtag there for it. Yep. What do you you think John Green would bring to, what do you think that partnership would bring to each other? Um, Because I feel like their writing styles are so, similar the types of books Mm -hmm. they write but I think the way they look at the characters are slightly different um I think that's true yeah um John Green does more of the um oh gosh uh coming of age type stuff while Rainbow Rowell does like um Oh, a slice of life type of thing mm. that can be life changing. I, I was going to say, I feel like John Green's characters suffer a little bit from the Dawson's Creek syndrome. Mm. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Where they're like all really super smart. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I was like, what is the Dawson Creek syndrome? Uh, where he, they, yep. They're teenagers, but they don't. They, 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 they um, you know, they talk. It's actually 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they talk like they're 30. Um, Rainbow, Rainbow Rowell's, I think, is more um, grounded. Their ca- mm-hmm. Her characters are more grounded, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, the, the, even though it's similar, the feel of, for the both of them is different. Um, mm-hmm. I think you, mm-hmm. you pinpointed it really well. Like, John Green is very more whimsical. Whimsy. Yeah. Whimsy. And Rainbow Rowell is just, like, it just feels real. Um, yeah. So... Yep. I mean, listen, that's not me saying that it, they suffer from a Dawson's Creek syndrome is not I love Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to put that out there. That's not me saying anything bad about John Green's characters. Um, nope. <laughs> what about you, Mare? 
So the couple I came up with, again, like we were saying, probably would never happen because when you get into fantasy realms, I can imagine it would be difficult to collaborate. But that being said, in my in my fantasy world where this could happen, uh, I would say Victoria... Locking the door, throwing away the key. Yes, yeah. yes, continue. <laughs> Victoria Schwab and Lee Bardugo. Um, this is my can... shocked face. I'm so shocked you picked these two. I know, so shocked, right? Um, they would have some pretty, pretty interesting, uh, somewhat messed up, you know, emotionally scarred characters. Um, but I'd be here for it. And also, if we want to go into, like, high epic fantasy, Patrick Rothfuss and Scott Lynch. Mm. Oh, God. But only after they finish their own series, because we're not oh going to push those off to do this. Oh, thank I you. Mean, thank you. Do we actually think Patrick Rothfuss is going to finish his series? Well, he better. Yeah, seriously. He need, it needs to... He needs to step it up a little bit here. I mean, he's significantly younger than George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, no, no. He had listen. He has time. He's also just doing other things, <laughs> like and having a great time in his life. Not, not, no judgment. <laughs> um, things he's not doing, it seems, is writing his book. Um, but well, I do love his podcast. Know. Yo, mm-hmm. yo, his D and D podcast is <laughs> is super good. <laughs> listen. Um. But that would be a great pairing. I also picked a high fantasy couple, but you need a seance for them. (laughs) Um, So i i want I want a book by Marion Zimmer Bradley and Tolkien. That would be great. Oh man! (laughs) So so right like 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 I need Tolkien to I need Marion Zimmer Bradley to basically like feminize Mm -hmm. Tolkien. Right. And I need need Tolkien to like get with it. Yep. Um, And I need them to just mind share on a phenomenal world. And I think the two of them together would have been devastating. Um, I think I I just, yeah, I get really giddy just even thinking about it. I will do a seance for that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Come to my house in two weeks under the full moon and we'll be ready to go. Um, my next pairing, you only need a seance for one of them. Um, but that would be Piers Anthony and Tanith Lee for my um, funny, whimsical, strange fantasy mm-hmm. duo. So Piers Anthony, if you don't know, wrote Xanth, mm-hmm. the Xanth series. Oh, okay. Love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like very punny, very funny. Um, and Tanith Lee has written everything. I don't know. A lot. <laughs> A lot. She wrote a lot while she was living. But um, Silver Metal Lover is something she's really famously known for. Um, and, um, of course, Biting the Sun, which is my one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and I would just love to see them play off each other. I think it would uh, be a lot of fun just to read that book. Yeah. That'd yeah. be really good. Um, yeah. I just know both my pairings are like a girl boy pair. Maybe I maybe I just want like you know some sh- I don't know. <laughs> well, um, I mean, Tolkien I, really needs that feminine oh god perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, love love Tolkien, <laughs> love to Tolkien. Pierce yeah. Anthony does a much better job. Pierce Anthony, I'm trying to say you're not. You know. Yeah, uh, but 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 uh, yeah, Tolkien definitively could have used a Marion Zimmer Bradley in his ear, being like, okay, no, no, you're not giving her no. 
Give her something to do. Yeah. She needs something to do. She can't just give out presents and go away. Oh, she's just going to give out presents and go away? All right. right. Galadriel was a real great name. She was a good good name. Um, But yeah, so we asked... um, we asked our Twitter and Litzy followers these same questions. Um, so I really liked um, Megan Casey twenty one. Uh, she had a really good duo, which is Cindy Williams Chima and Tamara Pierce um, would do a kick ass um, high fantasy novel, and I agree. She goes, they're both such strong storytellers, and their feminine characters in particular are what keep me coming back to the traditionally to this traditionally male gen- uh, dominated genre. So true. So mm-hmm. I've not read a lot of Cindy Williams Chima, but I've read a ton of Tamara Pierce, and um, from what I've seen of this, yes, 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 would love this. Nice. Um, so, um, Stego Freak, also like me, <laughs> has not read a ton of um, co-authored books, but he keeps getting recommended by a friend to read the Empire Trilogy by Rem- Raymond E. Feist and Jenny Wirtz. Hmm. Have any of you read the Empire Trilogy? I have not. Nope. So, going on the list. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> Um, we list. got a lot of people who said the Illuminae files, which mm-hmm. yes, people, I get it. I need to my it. TBR. Okay, okay? Yeah. like not so subtle. Meredith and I hear you. Yes, we hear we you. Will get to it. I own the first book. <laughs> um, let's see. And um, so a reader too said she loves historical fiction. Um, and one of her favorites is America's yeah. First Daughter. <laughs> yes, yes, my book. Yes, yes. Uh, by Stephanie Dre and Laura Kamoy, of course. Um, and says that the story captured her right away and that the two authors' writing are seamless, as is the amazing amounts of research. I'm pretty sure the seamless writing comes from uh, the amazing amounts of research mm, yeah, uh, might be right. that they did. Um, last but not least, um, librarian Ryan. Uh, got to us and said that he'd like to see the classic sci-fi writer of Mercedes Lackey with another classic um, writer, uh, Susan Cooper. So, again, another one where I've only read one of these. I have read a ton of Mercedes Lackey back in the day, um, but I have never read Susan Cooper. So I would just love to read more Mercedes Lackey. So for that, I am hashtag here for it. Uh, but yeah, we had a ton of great responses. Though. Yeah, a ton. It was cool to see because yeah, like when when I stopped and thought about it, I was like, have I read that many co-authored books? But apparently, there's a lot of good ones out there. Yep. Who knew? <laughs> you guys just made our TBR longer. That's that's the answer to what happened. Like just, just yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> that's never ending. Um, okay, so let's go on to our current um co-authored book good omens yay Yay! Mm -hmm. um let's see let me give you a summary first uh according to the nice and accurate prophecies of agnes nutter which the world's only completely accurate book of prophecies written in 1655 before she exploded the world will end on a saturday Next Saturday, in fact, just before dinner. So the armies of good and evil are amassing. Atlantis is rising. Frogs are falling. Tempers are flaring. 
everything appears to be going according to divine plan, except a somewhat fussy angel and a fast-living demon, both of whom have lived amongst Earth's mortals since the beginning and have grown rather fond of the lifestyle, are not actually looking forward to the coming rapture. And someone seems to have misplaced the Antichrist. You know what I love about this summary? I love this summary. Um, All of the capital letters. I'm a big fan of capital letters for emphasis because that's how English was originally supposed to be done. (laughs) And then somewhere along the ways, we decided, like, who needs capital letters for emphasis? People will just know that's supposed to be emphasized. Untrue. Untrue English. We should get back to that. But I love that this summary always has, like, the beginning Mm -hmm. capital Yep. It's not just divine the plan. It's divine yep. plan. The beginning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. Um, so what was one thing that stood out to you for this book? Oh man. So <laughs> I've never actually read any Terry Pratchett. This is my first book. <gasps> Me neither. Same here, Meredith. Don't worry. What? <laughs> okay. How? I feel better. What? Same here, yes. same here. <laughs> okay. Oh, I feel better. Susan, um, you've read Piers Anthony. How did you miss Terry Pratchett? All I've read was Pierce Anthony. Fair enough. I mean, fine. I mean, he has a lot of books. Fine. He does. Like a ton. Yep. Honestly, great. I think that's why I had steered away from Terry Pratchett. I was just like, there's so many books. Mm-hmm. I just feel overwhelmed. Yep. Um, but I thought this would be like kind of a good entry point. And so I believe, are the footnotes kind of a thing that he does in his books? So I think um, so. I think that's one of the... Um, Lady Sometimes. said that yeah. at the um, IRL. I, I found the footnotes to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were. <laughs> they, no, they are. They are. And, I mean, Terry Pratchett was, for this book, the um, stitcher together Um Right? Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett wrote this while Neil Gaiman was writing Sandman. So he didn't have the time to uh, do majority of it or to do that bit of the work. Um, so yeah, no, no, they're, yeah, it, they're most likely all Terry's or, or notes from their conversations or something like that. So I, right, I would love I mean, that even more. <laughs> it was like yeah. from their notes. <laughs> Cause some well, of them were just so absurd. And I was like, I feel like this is probably Terry Pratchett's writing, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Well, how they did it was they, um, they like were on the phone every day with each other. Right, like, right. And would go back and forth. So I would love it if they were notes too. Man, I should have done more research on this. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I love everything about this book. It's really hard for me to pick a thing that I'm like, what's one thing that stood out to you? I'm like, I don't know. Um, I love war. I know you're surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like the, it's the only main female character too. Kind of. Well, no, that's not even true. That's not, that's not remotely true. What's her yeah. face? Um, not remotely true, but uh, it's the one, like, I'm just like, oh, this redheaded woman who sits at a bar and just fights break out around her. Like, I just find her, her sections for me are hysterical and I just love them. Yeah. Um, which all, almost, um, almost all of the, uh, according to what I've read, almost all of the Four Horsemen stuff is Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I love that bit. And I just I I adore Crowley and um oh I'm gonna butcher this. And is uh, a relationship. 
like that's not one thing that's just to me. It's the entire book, but like <laughs> right. I, I honestly just every time they're not in a room together, I'm like, hurry up and get into a room together, please. <laughs> um, yeah, I just really, really love their banter. So I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just love this book. I just love this book so much. It's really good. Um, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I can see why it gets reread mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Um there's a lot going on. But with that, I still liked how well organized it was. Um sometimes a book when it has a ton of characters like this with a lot of things going on, it can get kind of messy and you kind of lose track of where everybody is. Um but with this one I didn't feel that way. I felt jarring only because I was listening to the audiobook, so sometimes it was hard to tell when they were going to another character. Um, but that only takes like a few seconds to like recalibrate, you know. Um, overall, it was really well organized. Like I didn't really feel that lost. So that was nice. <laughs> yeah, for me, there was a couple of times where I felt like I got pulled out of the story mm. because they were shifting point of view so quickly. And mm-hmm. for some for some of it, you would be with some random person on a boat as Atlantis rose up. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, what? What? What is yeah. happening? And then and then they're gone. And you're like, oh, OK, well, I guess Atlantis is a thing again. Um, and then you move on. <laughs> yep. And I, you know, I love authors who do that is like showing a perspective from outside the main characters. Like this is what it looks like from the outside looking in. Because you mm-hmm. and you have no idea what's what's going on, and like all of a sudden a tree is growing in your building. <laughs> yeah, that it. one was interesting. Probably maybe one of my more favorite tangents for like a random point of view was the um, the TV pastor in America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh my goodness, that one's great. <laughs> that one's really good. Um, so I noticed reading the book, especially in the beginning of the book, um, the word ineffable is mentioned a, a few times. Um, like all the time. Yeah. It's like, this is ineffable. Oh, it's ineffable. I'm like, why? You guys are saying ineffable a lot. <laughs> um, so I looked it up in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it says, incapable of being expressed in words. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's the right word for this book? Do you think it's yeah. apt? Um, a friend uh, in our IRL meeting mentioned that she found that the word didn't fit sometimes in the sentence. So maybe it was like a filler word. <laughs> so something being ineffable is, um, I'm not going to say it's a solely Jewish thing, but like, especially when you're talking about, you know, in capital letters, the divine plan or mm-hmm. his plan or what God's thinking ever. Um, is, you know, there's this idea that you don't know, or you're not supposed to know, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, eh, you know, it's, it's divine. It's, it's, you don't get to know that. And I think ineffable is actually a really interesting way to say that. Like it's unexpressible in words. Of course it's unexpressible in words. It's divine. Nothing that is divine should be able to be, or could possibly be contained by a language, um, something as fallible as a human language. So I actually think that it it's rather fitting mm-hmm. for a lot of the point of this book. Um, and I love the little thing at the end with God where he's like, it's ineffable. And I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I'm assuming it's God. <laughs> I'm assuming it's God on the on the park bench. Um, but but I I loved that. <laughs> Um, I literally laughed and my husband was like, what are you typing? I'm like, you would really have to read this entire book. For me I'm too. sorry, honey. It's ineffable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, lost, oh. lost opportunity. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but I do know what you mean, Susan, because there's definitely times in the book where like people are just confused or like they don't have a good answer. So they're just like, well, it's just inevitable. What do you oh, want yes. from me? Mm-hmm. That is also true. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is, let's just throw this word around. We don't get it either. So, yeah, it's just, it's just sniffable. It's fine. Just go along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um, so I, <laughs> with the word ineffable, I mean, we're just like, there's a lot of humor in this book. <laughs> yes. Oh, there is? Huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> there is. It was so funny. <laughs> um, does this humor work with the subject matter? Because, I mean, it's about the apocalypse. It's about the divine plan. Um, it's very religious subject matter. Can you imagine how dark and depressing it would have been without the humor? <laughs> so there's a book series called the Left Behind series. I don't yes. want to talk about that series. <laughs> no, we can't. I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying. You can talk about this. <laughs> and it is Christian fiction um, about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I liked it a lot in the beginning. And then I, it just didn't work for me later on in the series. Um, but yeah, it was really serious. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I feel, like, so. I feel like I read the first, I don't, I don't know how many there ended up being, but I read the God, first couple in high school mm-hmm. and I did find them pretty compelling, but yeah, you're like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's depressing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I, I like the humor in this. It just makes it easy to digest. I think. Yeah. I mean, there's been humor about religious stuff since there was religious Mm-hmm. stuff i mean it can if i can be forced to read candide um, <laughs> this can exist um i really you know i i really i really like it i mean i think that humor in humor there's truths right right yes mm-hmm. that you can express through humor that when you're trying to make this a serious subject sometimes you get lost that that, that that truth will get lost in the action and the doing of what's happening. Um, and I think humor, and I think humor, and I think this book um, really drives home certain points. I think it's actually much harder to drive through in a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, yeah. Humor yeah. for everything. Give me comedy. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, some of it was over the top, but I feel like for something to be kind of this ridiculously funny and um, farcical, like mm-hmm. it's actually got to be really smart. Yeah, 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 no, no, for sure. Um, and I think, are you going to link that article that you found, Susan, about all these different references from yes. the book? Mm-hmm. I am. I mean, the the amount so of much. references that they threw in, and I mean, maybe it's just stuff they knew because they're just really smart guys, or they did a lot of research. But just these little, you know, the little throwaway lines, the little. Um, references and everything mm-hmm. was very cool. Yeah. Um, yes. It's all the re- references that 
article writer caught, you know, of mm-hmm. things in pop culture and history and I'm just in religion and I'm looking at this list and I'm like, oh my God, so much went over my head. <laughs> um, but as I agree, it has to be smart or else it's just ridiculous, you know, and it's one of those um, not lowbrow comedies, maybe lowbrow comedy. Can I throw a book we read under the so, bus on whoa. this? Yeah. No. I'm sorry. Um, but that Romeo and Juliet book or the, um, what oh, is the it? Cho- Romeo and or Juliet. I love yeah, that book. Yeah, <laughs> Romeo and or Juliet. I think is a good example of humor for humor's sake mm-hmm. that is maybe not like the smartest of humors. Right. And, no. and like, it was fun. Like, you know, I'm not throwing it that far under the bus. Um, Versus this, where it's like, this is hysterical, but it's also, like, it's telling a message and it's being very, very intelligent in how it's delivering you that message. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, just agreeing. (laughs) Um, So this question came up and it made me curious, like, are you a Crowley or an Azurafel? (laughs) I'm a human. (laughs) I'm a human. Um, I mean, I I think, you know, it's always fun to be bad. I kind of, I would rather be a Crowley, which I don't know what that says about me. But I just, even from their very first interaction, um, Crowley, I I love how he questions the world. He's just like, Mm -hmm. why would there be a giant tree unless he wanted them to eat it? Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, what's the point? Like, they just told me to come up here, like. You really don't think he knows? And like, Zarephil's like, can we just not? Uh, you're asking uncomfortable questions. And I, don't, I don't like it. Also, I gave my flaming sword away. Um, who does that? Um, so I would, I would rather be a Crowley. Yeah. Oh, I'm. I know. I'm just an Zarephil, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Azurafel. Yep, I'm okay with Azurafel. He a rare bookshop. Yes. It's very, very, yep. very just needs, to, <laughs> needs things to be a certain way and done in a certain way. <laughs> um, one thing I noticed was um, every time they use their powers or their magic, you know, Crowley just uses it willy-nilly. But then Azurafel's like, oh, I really shouldn't be doing this. But like, oh, it's Like there's cause. a ticker up in heaven. Yeah. Like, they're going to notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that's me. I was like, you really shouldn't be doing this, but it's got to do it. Like, that would be me. Like, I would still do it, but I'd be like, just stressing about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. My anxiety probably puts me on the Azurafel oh. side of things. Yep. But <laughs> Crowley is such a cool character. Mm-hmm. I wish I could be that cool and like not care about breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not either of these people. That's, I clearly feel. But yeah, I just... Yep. Eh, Crowley's just so fun. He is He's fun. fun. Yep. They're like the great odd couple, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a good trope. Yep. Like, it, it, and it's, it's, I listen, nothing wrong with tropes if they're done well. Mm-hmm. And it, this one is done so well. And it's like one of my favorite tropes is the odd couple trope. So, love it. Yep. Definitely. I wish we had seen more of them, really. You know, um, there's like so said, many. Get hmm? in a room together. Like, that's yeah. all I wanted every time. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, and so I'm actually kind of excited, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but about the um, mini series that's going to be coming out later this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that they just throw in more Crowley and Aziraphale. That would like be just nice. Doing things. For that sure. would be so nice. 
the, I would love the, that. The actors, I'm just, I just, this miniseries. Really, 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 really. I don't want to get my hopes up, though. Like, even though the actors are fantastic, it's just like, oh, but, you know, with writing and editing and all that, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be very different. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Um, well, there no. can't be footnotes. <laughs> right, right. We're going to lose footnotes. Unless oh they put God. them on the bottom of the screen, which might be hysterical. Yes, that I was just thinking that. They'll just be like a little asterisk and like a footnote. <laughs> Uh, um, yes. Oh, and actually, I did find an article that, if I remember, I will link it in the show notes as well, just talking a little bit about the process of writing this and how, like, you know, they had said forever that this was not filmable. Like, it just wasn't – it wasn't a book that was going to translate to TV or movies. Mm-hmm. But um, when Terry Pratchett was dying, you know, from um, Alzheimer's, he wrote to Neil Gaiman and was like, you have to do this. You have to do this for me. Aww. And so, I know. Why? (laughs) Why you got to do that to me, dude? I know. Um, So, I know it's going to be super different, but I'm hoping that it can kind of be its own thing. Yeah. And we can like it for what it is. But definitely more Aziraphale and Crowley, like just getting into hijinks. Amen. Yep. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, we talked about the two main characters here, but there are so many other characters in this book. Um, who was your favorite? I, I already said war, right? War. Yep, war you said war. was my favorite other mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Um, though I really also liked Famine a lot. Like, I, yeah. I, his whole, <laughs> when you first meet him, his whole, like, you know, non-food, food craze, everyone's mm-hmm. obsessed with being skinny. I was like, oh, man, it, it would be so easy. Yeah. I think like it was so smart. Mm -hmm. I just I really liked the twist that they did on the four horsemen just in general. Um, And uh, like how we now have pollution instead of pestilence. Yeah. Because Um, penicillin was developed. Love it. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I agree. Like the the whole famine thing about, yeah, the what was it? What did it start out with? The food that starved you and then the food that then made you fat again, but also starved you. Like it was just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was kind of genius. Um, so like I liked just the four horsemen in general, but I would say, um, I mean, Crowley is probably my favorite like character over everyone, but Madam Tracy was really funny. (laughs) And like, I'm going to shout out like one of the random ones. The delivery guy. Yeah. Oh my god, no, the delivery guy is phenomenal. The delivery yes. guy is phenomenal. Right? That, oh my god. That guy's a trooper. He is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, all I love Oh my god. He literally kills himself. He's just like, Well, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And like writes a note to his wife and then just goes. Oh, yep. I'm like, this is intense. Also, yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, I like every, everyone's really hard. So it's hard for me to like Crowley more than Aziraphale because parts of what I love about Crowley is how he plays off Aziraphale and Aziraphale off mm. Crowley. And I just, okay. yep. I love yeah. them. Um, I really like Anathema and Newt. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they're weird with each other. <laughs> with each other. Um, I like Anathema from the very beginning. It's, you know, sh- she sort of plays this the the straight character in this mm-hmm. a little bit like you know like the 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 not as weird one even though she's super weird that's hard to say 
She's right. really she's really odd, but in comparison to everyone else, I less odd. I think it's because like even though she's in the <clears throat> story, she's kind of a little above everything because she has the prophecies. Because she knows the book. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think she's just kind of looking to see that they're being fulfilled or something, you know? Yeah. Um, she's like, I need to go get this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she goes gets the guy. Yeah, so she, um, like, has the she has the steps, and she's just doing the steps. <laughs> right. And, I mean, the whole prophecy, that whole book is, like, again, it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, well, you know how, like, they were all, dis- the the descendants had been deciphering it and writing notes. Yes. And, like, the, the oh, they had their whole, like, cataloging system. The little margin right. writing. <laughs> and, like, you know, giving her, like, um, oh, how did they put it? Like, you know, they, they were rooting her on for when her and Newt have to, like, get it on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, good luck. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yes, oh. yep. I I mean, aside from Ezra Fallon Crowley, I think I did like Anathema and Madame Tracy. After that, um, they were really good female characters um, for different they reasons, were. you know. Yeah. So it's just like they are delightful. I I don't think I really disliked a character in this book. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, it's really hard. And what do you think Anathema is going to do with the um? The new, oh my gosh! The new prophecies. I want more anathema. I think in the series. I know, right? Can I? I want like a side book. Yes. Can I, get, I, I want like a novella. Mm-hmm. I just want a novella of anathema. Now, um, am I? Hmm, am I misremembering? I thought that they burned the book. Did I miss that? Because the when I they thought res- it was like at the end, they were outside and like there was a bunch of smoke coming up from the fireplace, and I thought they said something about like Agnes looking like coming through the smoke and like smiling yeah okay so i remember that i thought it was. i have never picked up mm. that that means the book was burned i thought adam saw agnes at the end he does i can't remember exactly yeah. how it went but but i felt like they said something like well like we're done with prophecies mm. we don't want well, to know well newt asks anathema you know do you want to be a descendant for the rest of your life yeah, uh, that's right. But, that's how we put it. But I don't remember there being a decision. I kind of felt it was fairly open ended. Yeah. But I, I can see how the smoke that Adam sees might be like, mm. a, and they burned it, and this is her right. being released. Mm-hmm. But like, also, I don't know. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't know. I never but picked up on that. Yeah, great. I'm gonna have I to like, like reread that though. part. Like yeah, that. right. I like that read of it mm-hmm. a lot. Oh well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> This is why we have these discussions. <laughs> um, so, along with that, what was your favorite moment? Because there were a lot of moments in this book. Oh, so many. As well. <laughs> uh, the first time they talk about the baby <laughs> and how they keep, like, they list the whole name out for, like, several times. They're like, son of Sid, da 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 and then baby A and baby B. Yep. And then da 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 I really like that. Um, I, God, I love everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's hard. Like, so, I mean, we've already talked about the, the whole way that Famine was doing his thing, which was really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, like, the, the mix-up of the baby mix-up yeah. was really funny. Um, just that completely incompetent Satanist mm-hmm. uh, nurse. Yep. <laughs> but you got to give it credit to like Crowley and 
um, Aziraphale of like being the ones who figure out there's a mix up first. It's just like, maybe. Yeah. Maybe this isn't the dude. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, oh, and when the four horsemen meet up at the biker shop. Oh, so oh, great. Yeah. The biker stop. The, the, yeah. So great. That was really great. Um, I really like the kids moment, moments. When it's Adam they and his were, gang. They were really cute. Oh, yeah. so cute. And then Dog, when Dog comes <laughs> into the scene. Oh, I do love Dog. Oh, my gosh. It's just like, oh, this is adorable. It's like, I'm supposed to be this, like, intimidating dog of the, of, of hell. And now I'm just chasing this cat. Like, that's all I want to do It's just chase that cat. <laughs> <laughs> like listen i've got other dog things to be doing right yeah. now and i'd really like to not go back to being a yeah. head of hell i'd like to continue my dog life <laughs> yeah so Thanks. adorable which is essentially what adam comes to terms with too like i could be a prince of hell and rule the world or i could keep playing pretend with my friends because i'm 11 mm-hmm. yeah i and i think that is fair <laughs> um so there were two things like um, overarching themes that I kind of found in the book. I'm sure there's more. Um, but there was um, one I noticed was the nature versus nurture debate with Adam and Warlock. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Definitely. just like, yeah, they thought, War- you know, Warlock was the Antichrist and he wasn't. He was, he grew up like this regular kid, you know. Um, and then with Adam, like he's the Antichrist, but he was he was raised in a normal human way, and you know, so he ends up siding with the humans. Really, you know, I think we should decide what we want to do. That's really deep for an eleven-year-old. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, and that's it, right? I mean, he didn't. You know, we see when Warlock is a child that. It's kind of like you see the demons and the angels are trying to pull him in both directions. Mm-hmm. He has his tutor who's telling him one thing mm-hmm. and then what the gardener <laughs> is talking in his ear mm-hmm. and they're both saying, don't listen to the other, don't listen to the other. And I mean, we don't see a lot of Warlock, but he definitely kind of seems like he's turned out to be a pretty, pretty bratty kid at least. I mean, I don't know if he's evil, no. but... <laughs> At his, well, maybe uh, he always would have turned out bratty. Yeah, know. that's true. You don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I it was. That's always fascinating. The whole human versus nature. It's like. Mm. Uh, well, and I think it also plays into free will. Mm. You know, like they say that there's this divine plan, but I mean, the Antichrist does come <clears throat> in the form of a human, and so does he have free will? Does he not? Is he like forced into this ineffable plan? <laughs> but what if the plan is just to see what happens? <laughs> I feel like that's well, what they know. were really going for, honestly. Yeah, like the higher ups. Yeah. Well, the people who are who are performing or, or who are um, what's the word I'm looking for? Who are like acting out this plan, mm-hmm. right? Are angels and demons? Yep. You never see God on the battlefield. No. You know. Um, and angels and demons are imperfect and they're just following out the plan as they understand it. But like, yeah, what if it's just all to see like, oh, I wonder what will happen mm-hmm. if I pushed this button. Right. Yeah. But we do see what the the Metatron comes down yeah. mm-hmm. and then doesn't Beelzebub show up too? Yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the Metatron and Beelzebub are both still just an angel and a demon. 
Yeah. They're not, they're like specialized angel and demon, but they're still an angel and a demon (laughs) in the end game, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, Well, and that's kind of how they end up playing it off, right? They're like, well, maybe this is part of the ineffable plan. It's ineffable. So how do you really know? Well, and that's also kind of like hiding their screw up, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, it's totally ineffable. Like yeah, uh, no. It or wasn't is there screw up the plan? Yeah. Do you know? Like that—that that is the brilliance of it. Like right, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And that kind of ties into uh, my last thing is like they ha- like the angels and demons. They have this grand mystical plan of like the apocalypse and the antichrist and like who who may win and we have to make sure it works in our favor and like this huge plan goes against human nature. And just kind of falls apart. <laughs> right. You know? Does it go against human nature? I mean, I feel like they do They do a lot of times in this book talk about how actually, like, human nature is worse than, like, even what the demons are doing. Yeah, Crowley's always just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, anything I come up with is nowhere near as good as what they come up with. Just It is, but that's also kind of like, it sounds like they didn't really expect human nature to be that awful, you know? Well, I think I think how it goes against human nature is that both sides involved in the plan, which is the angels and demons. The angels and demons just thought the Antichrist would get in line. Mm-hmm. The Antichrist would show up, and then he'd be like, yep, want to rule the world, let's go. <laughs> and the world would end. And they just all mm-hmm. thought, like, yeah, of course this kid is going to do this, because that's what is supposed to happen. And then mm-hmm. they didn't, because they can't comprehend right. human nature, they didn't think, oh, well, what if he just decides, nah, not today. Right. Because he was raised human. Right. He's raised human. But isn't it interesting also that the end of the world then almost still happens because uh, Adam starts realizing how terrible humans are and like how we're completely destroying the world on our own in our own ways. Yeah, He he goes through like this. The, the the five stages of grief almost <laughs> mm-hmm. and comes mm-hmm. out of it like mm-hmm. ah you know it's not so bad <laughs> yeah I still want to play with my friends um but yeah he's just like yeah man and the whales <laughs> I just love how the whales were like a big the part poor of whales it. <laughs> yeah so it's it's really fascinating because yeah I think you're right Tara it's just they weren't expecting Adam to just be human um, yeah. Right, you know, he's a kid. It's like you're, you're born of the Antichrist. Why aren't you acting like you were like born what with what you were born with, not with how you were raised? I don't think they knew that how a child is raised really affects the person they would become. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's why there's the free will is because because Adam grew up human and not as the Antichrist. Like he was able to kind of be more free to make a decision for himself what he thought was well, right. Even, even then, you know, the warlock kid was yeah. had like a angel gardener and a devil nanny. And um and you never know. Mm-hmm. We don't know sure. if the warlock kid would have chosen to end the world. Right. You know, um but it's it's funny how like left to their own devices, like humans are always just going to choose to carry on. I think. Yeah. Yep. Oh, such a deep book for just what it is. Oh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so that that goes to our last question: Did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> so t- 
times this question is so ridiculous. I know. That's why I love asking the it. The entire time we're like, man, this book, this book was just so amazing. <laughs> then you get to it. It's like we always ask it. But like, did you like it? Yes. I, I love what asking I it in this kind of way. Oh, no, maybe. But only kind of. No, I loved it. I loved it. Recommend it to everybody. Yep. Just, just do it. Yeah. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll definitely be rereading it at some point because yep. there's so much, you know, like you can't get it all in, in your first read. Definitely. No. It's thinking the same thing. Like this is this is a reread book for sure. So um, and maybe the next book will be a reread book, um, which is going to be City of Ghosts by Victoria Schwab. Yay! So Woo. that'll be fun. She's um, she is wonderful. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading this book. It's a nice, it's a, it's a middle grade book, but you know, it's a nice, um, and I think it's a short month. February is a short month. So if I figured, you know, short book, short month. No, that's great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And listeners don't let the fact that it's middle grade scare you mm-hmm. away. It's really fun. Yeah. It's a really fun book. So Mer- Meredith already read it, clearly. <laughs> Because it's Sorry. Victoria Schwab. This middle grade books have been coming up in in the literary world. Like it's been some quality mm-hmm. middle grade books. So yeah, yep. And it's good to see what the kids are reading these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, we definitely talked about a lot of books and some different articles. So if you want links to those, you can go to our show notes at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 58. And where can people find you on social media? Well, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy at Rudy Kaicho, which is R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. You can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy, all under the same name, Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Litzy, Goodreads, under Mare the Book Gal, M-E-R-E-T-H-E-B-O-O-K-G-A-L. And then you can also find just the podcast in general on Litzy under Eclectic Readers and on Twitter at Eclectic Read Pod. So please come and talk to us. Tell us what you're thinking. We have gotten one person saying that they want a uh, a poetry episode. Yes, <laughs> Megan. Megan, you're my girl. Shout out. Shout out. Oh, and so please subscribe to us in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode, especially if we have any special episodes coming up. Mm-hmm. Waggling eyebrows. Um <laughs> And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help us with the algorithm and help more people find us. Uh, So I think that's it. Let's shelve this until next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.